a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in in the flesh and blood of Jesus and he uses that those means namely his flesh and his blood his life and and his death he uses those means to save us and when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed we were adopted as sons of God I think. Oh, huh? 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 Oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is the theme over? Hey, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. Yes, How you doing, the Pastor? The world's Wolf most Taylor? popular. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm ready to go, man. Are you ready uh, to rock and roll? Are you going to give Table Talk Radio your full attention today, or are you going to be checking Facebook and email and and re- responding to uh, crazed fans during during the course of the show? The answer, the only problem with your question is you used future tense, like I'm not already checking Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Gonna be, I am. What are you, you talking about? You had that ever had so like long. like five extra minutes because of that bump. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you had an ever long one minute theme music. Uh, you to, said, <laughs> we're going to start the show, and I went out and got a snack from the Cookie Mart. <laughs> Came back. Just in time. Well. Uh, because <laughs> do all this, all my show prep. I don't know what even want to do show prep, but I got to sit there for a minute and a half for that bump. <laughs> Good grief! It must be just drama palace at your house. <laughs> oh yeah, so, I'm an so, emotional wreck. So, <laughs> just a roller coaster. Why is it taking you're, so long for this pop tart to pop or tart? Hannah drops her fork <laughs> on the on the kitchen floor. You're just tearing this place apart. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, in today's edition of Table Talk Radio, after doing some uh, buzzwords and, and an email, we're going to play Witch Ladder and also <laughs> Bumper Sticker and Church Science Theology, uh, kind of the, the traditional <sighs> games here of Table Talk Radio. Classic TTR here. It is. Uh, so um, I assume then that no one's listening anymore. So thanks a lot. <laughs> Didn't we talk about not telling people about that? This you is a, look, this is a now you are again messing up your tenses. No one listening anymore. <laughs> As if people were listening to start. I know. Uh, we were talking uh, in in Bible class this about postmodernism and and you know that old uh, that old thing if a tree falls and no one hears it, does yes. it still make a sound? I said, hey, that's what we have in our radio. <laughs> we have that liner. No one's listening to the radio. Does it still make a sound? <laughs> sure enough. Unfortunately enough. <laughs> yeah, too bad. Everyone, you know, by the way, this is the big thing. Oh, wow, you have a radio show? Like it's a big deal. <laughs> I know. Because wow. people think that people listen to the radio, etc. Oh, I got an email about the etc. here. Oh, let's here hold on to is. that. Let's hit our buzzwords first. Okay. Do you have a buzzword ready? I do. Okay. Buzzword for you is pericope. Or as you like to say, pericope. (laughs) Here it is from the Christian Cyclopedia, the definition. A word taken from the Greek meaning a section applied to fixed portions of the scriptures read as lessons on the Sundays and festivals of the church year. Such a division of the scripture text was, uh, was in use even in the ancient synagogue. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. 
the law and the prophets being divided into 54 such lessons each. Hmm. There are indications that the early Christians made a similar division of the Bible text for their use as early as the first century. Uh, the reading of the apostle, that is, of the epistle lesson, being added to that of the law and the prophets, as the ancient liturgies show. The system of the Western Church, which differs from that of the Oriental denominations and also from the Gallican, Moabite, and Ambrosian lectionaries, is commonly and doubtless correctly ascribed to Jerome, who founded upon the customs obtaining in his time. So anyway, uh, this is the uh, the lectionary. Uh, there are different readings, uh, uh, pericopes, appointed for each Sunday and all the different feasts. Now, you'll find them in the front of your hymnals, etc. Uh, people always say, hey, you Lutherans, are you told what you have to preach? No. No one writes the sermons. I mean, I find mine on sermons.com, but I don't know what everyone else does. But you don't have to do that. You could, you know, write one, etc. Where do you find you, yours? From the, from the uh, Rick Warren website? No. They're three bucks a pop on uh, the Rick Warren website. Hope-Aurora. <laughs> What's your website again? Aurora something. Just yeah, look on your speed bookmarks. <laughs> All right, I wonder if I'm putting my own sermons up there. But anyway, people say, hey, do you Lutherans have to preach a certain thing? The answer is no, uh, but we do follow uh, certain readings, which uh, gives us the opportunity to hear from all the different portions of the Scripture. Now, some people say, well, then you don't hear the whole Bible. Well, fine. You don't, it's true you don't hear the whole Bible. That's why you've got to be ri- reading the Bible every day at home, uh, so you get the whole thing. Uh, but in Sundays, we come and we hear certain portions that are especially picked so that we cover all the major doctrines in a single year um i don't i never preach your sermons because i only preach sermon with the winning sermons on uh iron preacher here on table talk radio so <laughs> I, have, I have i don't preach i don't preach your sermons very often oh what a dig <laughs> all right my theological buzzword for you is revival and a revival is uh something you have when you have uh people who um, who are supposedly Christians but not acting like Christians, and you don't have law and gospel. <laughs> Wait, say that again. That you was know, a cheeky definition. Oh, you don't, you didn't like that? It, it's when uh, <laughs> you know you have, you have Christians who aren't acting like Christians, but you don't have law and gospel, so you have to have a revival. Oh, I see. I yeah, see. Yeah. I mean, the if, revival if, is what walks in when the when law and gospel leaves. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, if you have law and gospel, you just call sinners to repentance and absolve them of all their sins in the sin by the command of Christ. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you don't have that, then you have to have a revival. And the revival usually centers on uh, emotional manipulation. Um, th- this was the focus of the uh, big tent revivals, the Great Awakening. Um, second Great Awakening. And the Second Great Awakening. Um, so you had uh, you know, uh, Finney and the First Great Awakening. with the. He was Second Great Awakening. Oh, he was? Yeah. Okay. Because remember, it was that Calvinist John Edwards, who Jonathan Edwards, who was the First Great Awakening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Sorry. That Calvinist. Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> we love the Calvinists. I got Finney's theology here on my bookshelf somewhere. Right. Uh, so anyway, so the idea was that you had these anxious benches, and then as they uh, came down to the anxious bench, they um, got all uh, souped up, ready for the ready for the sinner's prayer and all and all this thing. So um, this this is, by the way, the theology that has taken the land, um, the theology that has said that uh, you should make a decision for Christ and you'll become a Christian. Um, and it's centered on this uh, on man's free will. So if you can't uh, if you can't get around that, um, or if, you know, if, if man has free will, then uh, then I guess you have a theology that says he can make a decision for Christ. If you have a theology that says man is born into sin um, because of original sin, then the sinner's prayer doesn't work out so well.
I found my Finney's uh, systematic theology, complete a newly expanded 1878 edition <laughs> from America's greatest revivalist, it says. Ooh. Want me to read you some excerpts? Sure. I don't have any marked. This is a problem. I've looked at this thing because I wanted to find his whole big deal on emotional manipulation, etc. And I don't, I don't think it makes it in here, at least not that I've seen. Well, right, why I don't bought we... this book, by the way, whenever I thought it was a good systematics. I didn't know the difference. Oof, good thing I never read it. Why don't we just go ahead and go to the email then, because we just have about three and a half minutes here in this segment. What? Okay, uh... Joe from Washington writes, Hey, guys, congratulations on 200 installments of Mediocre Audio Mayhem. I think, Joe, that's actually incorrect. I think about 115 of our shows qualified as mediocre. The rest were subpar. <laughs> For the record, I think there's a degree of laziness developing on the part of Pastor Wolfmuther. What? What? I'm offended. He's abbreviating his etc. etc. to like one etc. What's with that? Joe from Washington, sent from my iPhone. Speaking Ooh. speaking of not getting the uh, uh, verb tenses right, uh, becoming <laughs> be, becoming lazy. I mean that developing would, that, developing, developing laziness. Yeah, yeah. I mean that would seem to imply that uh, Wolfenberg was never lazy to begin with. I'm increasing in my art of sanctified laziness, etc. 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 How many do you want, Joe? Four, five. I got as many cetras as you need. Cetra comes in, by the way. Oh, see, I don't even say etc. anymore. I mean, I, I'm a little bit worried. I say etc. so much that people are like, "Look, all this Latin in the show. You're too highbrow. <laughs> Keep it in English, guys." Etc. Uh, uh, is that the so, email you had? Sorry about that. Oh yeah, I got another one. Oh, okay. you want another one? We got two minutes left. What are we going to do? Pastor Wolfmuller writes, Vic, on your show Tuesday, you spoke on the power of movements versus the authority of establishments. Remember that? It was probably a couple Tuesdays ago. Yes. Do you think that Bonhoeffer may have thought along such lines when he decided to resist the power of the Nazi movement? Vic. So, what do you think? I I have no idea about the mind of... Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, do, but do you have him there? Do, can, can he tell you? No, no, I don't have him here. What are you trying <laughs> Kind of rubbing the dirt in my face? I was looking for an hour for my Bonhoeffer Life Together book where he talks about this a little bit. Uh, and I think Vic is on to something here because uh, there I, I was I quoted this line, so I have to quote from memory, Bonhoeffer, where he says, God hates visionary dreamers. You know, that the, the, these people who sit there and cast visions and all this sort of stuff, because that's what exactly what the Nazi propagandists were doing. Here's our vision for the Aryan people. And now we have to get everything in motion against it. And these guys who had some sort of sense that Jesus is in the business of instituting things knew that this was dangerous, that it was destructive for the church, that movements cannot abide with institutions. It's one of the reasons... Uh, uh, that we think that Hitler had to go after the Jews because they had the institution of the Ten Commandments there, the institution, for example, of private property in the Seventh Commandment, which socialism despises. So uh, I think, yes, Vic, that's, I mean, you can't read into the mind of the man, but I think this is this understanding is there, this distinction between the power of movements and the authority of establishments. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about, too, that, that part of the thing that goes along with authority is it has to be given. Right. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas, whereas a movement, uh, I guess you, uh, well, what's, what would be the contrast that you just assume that you get into the movement? You take it. Yeah. You take it. You uh, the movement is a, see the movement is a it's like um, 
it's survival of the fittest kind of thing. So by strength, you're going to wrest away uh, power and things like this. While the institution can rejoice in things being weak and protected and things being a gift. Hey, we're going to hit this break, and uh, we're going to be right back to play Witch Ladder. Don't go away. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. We're playing the game Witch Ladder. And uh, Pastor Wolfman, do you, do, you, uh, do you know these ladders? Can you explain how the game works? I'm looking for examples of these ladders in Charles Finney's systematic theology. <laughs> you got to find the God is one. and ought to be an absolute and universal sovereign. Do you hear that? Do you hear this? The, uh, chapter Lecture 62, Divine Sovereignty. Do you know, uh, that, have we been clear on this, that American evangelicalism, which everyone thinks is Arminianism, is not. It's a revivalized Calvinism. <laughs> ah, mm-hmm. It's the only way to understand it. Revivalized Calvinism. I don't know if taking the word, what was my thing, revival, and adding an eyes done to the end of it should be extra points for using the buzzword. Well, it's interesting because um, people kind of pit uh, Calvin and then Jacob Arminius at the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and that's true. They certainly were. Um, however, the interesting thing is that um, Jacob Arminius still had to deal with the doctrine of predestination. I mean, it's in the Bible. And so the way he dealt with it was that he's, he... Uh, predestined in the sense that God will look into the future to, to see what you would decide, and then you were predestined according to how your free will was. Right. And so Jacob Arminius still played still played the the tune of of, um, of predestination, but you but uh, the, the the language of predestination is completely absent in um, American evangelicalism, unless they're talking about like what job they're going to get or what girl they're going to marry. <laughs> Um, but as far have as you've been listening to a lot of pre- those sermons, pre- predestination, <laughs> the predestination in terms of salvation is, funny, is huh? nowhere to be found. Hey, could you really explain why that's funny? I mean, I don't know if the listeners know that you're not married. Still, you know, you hardly ever bring it up. So I know, yeah. I know. So that's probably they're like, what, what? Evan's not married. Hey, how is how a Roman? How, how could a guy like him not be married? That's what they wonder. How? How? They listen and they say, what? What is this? You know, universal injustice that Avid Gagline is not married. You'd be surprised. I don't know, dear listener. I'm trying to sort it out, too, myself. You'd be surprised how often I get that. Now, uh, how is enrollment going (laughs) at... You're not married? What? What? (laughs) How's enrollment going at the uh, Wolfmiller School of Hilarity? I'm fine, sure. I'm still putting together the curriculum. You mean we have to explain it? Yeah. Now, see, that's funny. (laughs) That's funny because if a joke is funny, you don't have to explain it. Yeah, that's right. You see what I I just did there? I just explained explained it. It was pretty funny, though. I liked your explanation. Now, I'm going to explain why your explanation was funny because the way to ruin a joke is to explain it. So to talk about. Explaining it as school for being funny. That's now see, funny. Now see what he's doing here. He's explaining why he explained it to make sure that it's not funny. <laughs> oh, the, the vortex we've fallen into. Okay, let's hit some witch ladder. First, explain the ladders, Pastor Wolf. So, there's three ladders that man builds to uh, clamor his way into God's presence. This is uh, Adolf Caberly, our buddy, our good old friend Adolf. We call him Dolphy around here, don't we? 
He's uh, and he pulls this from Luther. He's uh, that that the pagan flesh of humanity is always putting up these three ladders to self-justify, to justify its own existence, its own value, etc., etc., etc. So uh, the first one is the ladder of the mind. That's what we call rationalism. I can be smart enough. The second is the ladder of the will. Uh, good works. I can be good enough. The third is the ladder of the psyche. The soul, that's mysticism. I can be touched enough by God on the inside. Now, what we do is we listen to something or other. Mostly, I think you get these videos off of TED. But you found a different one today, didn't you? Mm -hmm. and, um, and we listen to this video and we say, what ladder is this particular person who's talking telling us to climb? And then we talk about it. And th the point of this whole thing, by the way, is that we would have this framework for discerning the things that we hear. Because the gospel is not us clamoring up to God, but rather God coming down to us. So any sort of ladder that people offer to us is a, um, uh, is a false gospel. Correct. Yes. Okay, so the, the clip I have for your consideration is Sam Harris. You know Sam Harris, right? Yeah, yeah. Letter to a Christian Nation. Big-time new atheist. Yeah. So this is his closing argument, um, well, a, a portion of his closing argument, in a formal debate he had with William Lane Craig at Notre Dame University. So here is Sam Harris. Nine million children die every year before they reach the age of five. The picture picture a, a, an Asian tsunami of the sort we saw in 2004 that killed a quarter of a million people. One of those every 10 days killing children only under five. It's 20, 24,000 children a day, 1,000 an hour, 17 or so a minute. That means before I can get to the end of this sentence, some few children, very likely, will have died in terror and agony. Think, think of the parents of these children. Think of the fact that, that most of these men and women believe in God and are praying at this moment for their children to be spared. And their prayers will not be answered. Okay, but according to Dr. Craig, this is all part of God's plan. Any God who would allow children by the millions to suffer and die in this way, and their parents to grieve in this way, either can do nothing to help them, or doesn't care to. He is therefore either impotent or evil. Worse than that, on Dr. Craig's view, most of these people, many of these people certainly, will be going to hell because they're praying to the wrong God. Just think about that. Okay, through no fault of their own, they were born into the wrong culture where they got the wrong theology and they missed the revelation. Okay, there, there are 1.2 billion people in India at this moment. Most of them are Hindus, most of them therefore polytheists. In Dr. Craig's universe, no matter how good these people are, they are doomed. If you are, if you are praying to the monkey god Hanuman, you are doomed. Okay. You will be tortured in hell for eternity. Now, is there the slightest evidence for this? No. It just says so in Mark 9 and Matthew 13 and Revelation 14. And perhaps you'll remember from the Lord of the Rings, it says when the elves die... They go to Valinor, but they can be reborn in Middle-earth. I say that just as a point of comparison. 
So God created the cultural isolation of the Hindus. Okay? He engineered the circumstance of their deaths in ignorance of revelation. And then he created the penalty for this ignorance, which is an eternity of conscious torment in fire. Okay, on the other hand, on Dr. Craig's account, your run-of-the-mill serial killer in America, okay, who, who spent his life raping and torturing children, need only come to God, come to Jesus on death row, and after a final meal of fried chicken, he's going to spend an eternity in heaven after death. Okay, one thing should be crystal clear to you. This vision of life has absolutely nothing to do with moral accountability. Okay, and please notice the double standard that people like Dr. Craig use to, to exonerate God from all this evil. Okay, we're told that God is loving and kind and just and intrinsically good. But when someone like myself points out the ob rather obvious and compelling evidence that God is cruel and unjust because he visits suffering on innocent people of a scope and scale that would, would embarrass the most ambitious psychopath, Okay. We're told that God is mysterious. Okay. Who can understand God's will? All right, that's Sam Harris. Yeah, uh, this is a helpful thing to think about. How much time do we have to talk about it? Two minutes. Oh, let's. Uh, can, we, can we extend that for a little bit? Sure. I, whereas we need to say more things, be it resolved that we extend the discussion. Wow, been to St. Louis lately. <laughs> Don't worry. If the problem we, is I'll never get a second. If we if we need if we need to uh, talk about this on the other side of the break, we can. So okay, begin no, we have begin response. We that's uh, we have a handful of arguments that are thrown out here against the existence of God, but it's not it's not the existence of God that he's actually arguing. What he's arguing against is the doctrine of the scriptures that God is good and big, um, and that's probably natural theology as well. God is good and big. Uh, nine million people die every year under the age of five. That kind of theodicy does not, uh, he cannot comport with the existence of a good and big God. People go, who are ignorant of the scriptures go to hell, including the 1.2 billion Hindus. While the serial, serial killer uh, who is converted uh, can get to heaven. And his the argument there is, um, I mean, it's kind of weird because the 1.2 billion Hindus would think that the Christians are going to go suffer in the afterlife, including Sam Harris. That's kind of weird. but. And then uh, th that there is no moral accountability in judgment based on faith, which means if there's no accountability, then God must be evil, uh, and that his evilness is covered up by, um, by the retreat to mystery. That's the gist of the argument there. Correct. Am I right about that? That is correct. Okay. Now, there's a couple of problems. There's a couple of um, there's a couple of problems in the argument, and the first is this: that Harris is working with the assumption of human innocence. In other words, the the 1.2 billion Hindus who don't believe, who have never heard the gospel, he assumes that they are innocent of any moral culpability. The nine million children under age five, he assumes the same. 
that there is a such thing as human innocence. And that is a presupposition that is questioned by Christianity. Uh, we'll, we'll have to do more on this. Okay, we'll uh, continue this uh, response to Sam Harris on the problem of theodicy uh, here on Table Talk Radio. And then we're going to play some witch, or excuse me, uh, church science theology and bumper sugar theology. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We will be Your very own theological court gestures. This is Table Talk Radio. We are climbing Jacob's golden ladder from earth to heaven so high. This one thought now makes my heart so gladder to know that we are climbing Jacob's ladder to the Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, trying to make heads or tails of uh, Sam Harris. Uh, so, so far you said that... Um, the assumption of human innocence. Right. Okay, what undergirds else? Undergirds this whole argument as an error. Now, I have this content... Now, uh, this is understandable because uh, the depth of our sinfulness is a fact revealed to us in the scriptures. I was reading our buddy uh, Luther... He was talking about this in small cold, that original sin is an article of faith. So we look, but here's the thing. We look around at the world and we know that something's wrong. This is what our conscience tells us. Something's wrong here. Something's wrong with the way I treat my neighbor. Something's wrong with the way my neighbor treats me. Something's wrong with the way my neighbor treats my neighbor. And then there is this problem. There's something wrong with things that don't have a will. Are you ready for this? So I look at the tsunami. Tsunami. Wait, there's no P in there's there. There's a T. Tsunami. Because I'm against <laughs> silent letters. Remember that? Yes. The silent minority. Who's going to speak for the letters that don't have a sound? <laughs> Who? If not you, dear listener, then nobody. <laughs> now, um, the problem here is that our conscience, and so Sam Harris has a conscience, which is why he can say there's something wrong with the world. There's things that don't have a will, like hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes and cancers uh, uh, and viruses and things that kill people. There's things that don't have a will that end up doing bad, evil, wicked things. And now I'm going to be tempted. Now, with these four areas of recognition that something's wrong, so we had I treat my neighbor wrong, my neighbor treats me wrong, my neighbor treats my neighbor wrong, and things are just wrong. In these four categories, the devil will come along with the temptation. I treat my neighbor wrong, the devil's going to tempt us either to pride or despair. My neighbor treats me wrong, that's shame, and the devil's going to tempt me to anger. My neighbor treats my neighbor wrong, and the devil's going to tempt me to to not even pay attention. What's that called? Apathy. Something like apathy, indifference. That's the word I'm looking for, indifference. And then there's this unwilled sin that things are just wrong in nature, and the devil is going to tempt me either to hate God, to be angry at God, or to not believe in God, because that just seems like a better option. And this is exactly the voice, this voice of the devil, using the recognition that all of us have in our conscience that something is wrong with the universe, 
is going to come and tempt us either to say that God is evil or that he or that better because to think God is evil is such a horrible sort of thing to think that God does not exist. The result, the reason why Sam Harris's argument rings true for so many people is because our conscience tells us that there's something wrong in the world and the devil tempts us precisely in this way. I mean, you, you you couldn't have had a better articulation of the devil's temptation than the argument that Sam Harris makes. Now, the point, though, is that our conscience doesn't tell us enough. See, our conscience tells us that there's something wrong, but it doesn't tell us exactly how wrong it is. Our conscience is, is, makes judgments based on degrees and based on self-preservation and things like this. And so it does not have the spiritual insight to know that even though I can recognize that I make mistakes... I cannot recognize that I am utterly and 100% wicked. You see that? Mm-hmm. That's the doctrine of original sin. It's only believed by faith. It's. I think the Lord preserves us from it because I have this idea that, you know, if you were to walk into a room and it was and it was filled with demons sitting there in all their hideousness, you probably wouldn't walk in and sit down and start a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you walk into this kind of demon-filled room and you would, in horror, shriek, and run out of there. Call the cops or whatever, the demon police. Now, the Ghostbusters. But this, so, so, this, but this is this is how we are according to our sinful flesh. We are utterly wicked. But, but if we could see that, I mean, if I could look at you and see your utter wickedness, if you could look at me and see my utter wickedness, you would never want to be in the, you would never want to be in the same room with me. Which probably you don't want to anyways. But never mind the fact. You would never ever. You couldn't even. I mean, you, if you looked in the mirror and saw your own wickedness, you couldn't stand yourself. So that there is this way that our original sin is hidden from our sight and revealed to us only by faith. Uh, and so we don't expect for Sam Harris to be able to recognize the wickedness that is humanity. So that all he can see is bad things are happening to people, and all he can know is that people don't deserve it. That's all he can think. That's all the sinful flesh can think of itself. And then the result is that injustice has to be handed over to God. I mean, it's pretty. It's a predictable argument, but the, the but the reason why, and this is, I think, the point I want to make. The reason why Harris can make the argument is because he has a conscience, mm-hmm. which is itself an indication that uh, that he and and all of us are created by God. Yeah, I have a <clears throat> I have a comment about this, but I want I want to uh, give it after you say which ladder. Okay, ah, the which ladder. Hmm. This is kind of tricky. Let me. Th- I should have been thinking about this while I was, um, instead of writing this email I was writing. Uh, I don't see. Normally, the atheists fall under the ladder of rationalism. I don't think that's what's going on. Uh, it's not moralism. Well, you know what? I am. I do think this is moralism, because what it's saying is that we are better than God. It's making the argument that we are good, and God then, if this is how he's going to act towards us, is evil. So I think this is the ladder of moralism, pride and moralism. Okay, I'm going to disagree. All right. Uh, I I will say that this is the ladder of rationalism, and this is why. Because the argument—remember, Sam Harris here is making the argument that God does not exist. And Mm -hmm. so what is his argument that God does not exist? Because God does not fit— into the uh, uh, the paradigm of which I would expect God to be. Right. So I have a I have a criteria for which God must be in order for Him to exist, 
and God does not fit this criteria, ergo, mm-hmm. God does not exist. Ergo, I like that. We're so high, highbrow here. Etc. Um, <laughs> ergo, all this Latin. <laughs> now, Incredible. Now, suppose then, I mean, so so uh, Sam Harris is saying there isn't a God, and this is why, because because uh, innocent, and what he calls innocent children are dying. So suppose then I would have a theology that would say, well, I believe that God exists, but the God that I believe exists, exists only to do cruel things to innocent people. By that theology, Sam Harris would have to admit that God exists, right? Because now my definition of the existence of God fits his criteria, or it fits what he observes in the world at least, right? Right. Uh, so, I mean, this is not in any sense an argument for uh, for the existence of God, but um, I mean, t- to say that the exi- existence of something um, can only be so if it fits what I think it should be is the epitome of rationalism. That's true. That's true. And what we see when we look to the scriptures is that God does never, God never acts what how we expect him to. I mean, we expect, hey, God, there's a bunch of things going wrong down here. You should fix it with your power. But he says, what if I want to fix it with my weakness? <laughs> what if I just want to jump in into the midst of all this sin and suffering and be there with you in the middle of it? What if he wants, well, I suppose that he can do what he wants to do. And praise the Lord that that's exactly what he does. Yeah, very good. So did I, I see your point on moralism. Did I sway you to, to rationalism or are you still sticking with moralism? I think it's both. Okay. <laughs> see, you're, oh, so, so, here, you're, you're so postmodern. <laughs> I think it's whatever you feel like. I'm going to take a mystical approach to it. <laughs> now we're all three. Well, oh, if if, uh, if the moral ladder or the rational ladder feels good, that's the one you should choose. <laughs> see, that's funny because no, now I see. Uh, the reason I say moral ladder is because it's using the existence of the conscience, the self-justifying, self-real, pseudo-self-realizing moral compass of the conscience is being used to argue against God's own morality. But you're probably right. It's being used in a rationalistic now, way. Now, the great irony about that is, is as I said, this is a debate uh, between Sam Harris and William Lane Craig. And the, and the main argument that William Lane Craig was making in the debate was that um, if you don't believe that there's a God, then you can have no, you cannot believe that there is an, an objective morality. Um, and so uh, here William Lane Craig is, is making the case, look, you can't believe in objective reality if you don't believe in God. And then Sam Harris appeals to morality to, to prove the injustice of God. So it's very, very ironic. Yes. <laughs> so, all right, let's hit one bumper stick before this next break. Uh, here's the first one. This is Scott in Southern Illinois. Church sign. Life has many options. Eternity has two. Want to learn more? Seen on a Lutheran church sign. All right. Yes? Hello? Am I supposed to say what, something about that? Yeah, and you want, you want to respond? Or... Life has many options. Eternity has two. Want to learn more? I think that sign is directed against the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Which in their multiple choice of uh, what happens after death, you have four, right? Don't you have four choices? I you think they got heaven, rid of one, I thought. Hell, purgatory, and limbo. I think they got there's rid no, of limbo. No, there, there's no more limbo? I don't think so. 
You never know with the Catholic <laughs> doctrine. <laughs> Nothing ever stays the same over in the Catholic Church. They're so modern and trendy. Now, let's see. Limbo Limbo was uh, where unbaptized babies went. Is that correct? Right, right. And uh, very, very good pagans. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's like, right. Like uh, Plato. Now, <laughs> like Plato. Um, how, Plato now, how do you, was in limbo. There's a Plato, Aristotle, and a ton of babies. How do you imagine that place? How do you get out? Of, <laughs> um, how do you get out of limbo? I don't. You can't get out of limbo. You're stuck, You're stuck. in limbo forever. Yeah. And then and then they decide it doesn't exist anymore. What about the poor soul in limbo? <laughs> I don't know. All right. We're gonna try and figure this out during the break, and then we'll be right back to continue. And and, and Pastor Wolfram's gonna talk about his worldviews when we get back too. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk. First you spread your limbo feet, then you move the limbo beat. Limbo ankle, limbo knee, bend back like a limbo tree. Jack be limbo, jack be quick. Jack go on the limbo stick, all around the limbo clock. Hey, let's do the limbo rock. <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Radio, because cable's expensive. <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Now, it seems like I remember when we play uh, Church Sign or Bumpshire Theology, there's something about worldviews involved in this game. Is that, does that sound familiar? Yes. Okay. Do you want uh, to talk about it? I'm filling out my uh, technology survey to try to win a Kindle Fire for CPH. Oh, really? We only have six hours left. Hey, CPH, you got you to you gotta get it. I love it. CPH. Yeah. That'd be great to get a Kindle Fire. Uh, the answer about the worldview thing is uh, that I is, oh I think the problem is have I talked about this on I can't remember if I told our listener about this that whenever you go and read someone talking about worldviews you you say what are you talking about because it's so fantastically intellectual and there's this assumption that people live consistent with what they think so someone thinks for example you shouldn't uh, murder and so then you assume that they live a peaceful life that's not true. So uh, you see them live violently or whatever to get a temper, get angry, and you say, well, how, their actions don't match up their worldview. That's because your worldviews are too rationalistic. The world, the source of the worldview is the conscience, that thing that we're talking about that tells you that things are wrong in the world. And now your worldview is, is the, your way of, of calming down your conscience. We talked about this? I don't know. I, I barely ever listened to you. Now, I, have I talked about how the stomach and the conscience are the same? No. All right. Now, so you got a stomach, right? Everyone out there has a stomach, and your stomach tells you that your stomach is a very imprecise instrument, but it, it is a good instrument because it tells you that you're hungry, but it doesn't tell you how to fix that. It doesn't tell you that you got to go and learn how to read and write and then go to seminary and then study theology and then get a call and then come to a church and then get a paycheck and then take that money to the bank and then go to the store and get a bunch of Cheetos and then go home and eat. I mean, your stomach doesn't tell you how to get, how to make the pain in it that it has stop. It just tells you that it needs to stop. And it's not a particularly reliable thing. It, your stomach could tell you that it, that, that, you know, hey, I'd like some Twinkies when really what you need is some green beans or something like this. You know, all these people die. Uh, that are lost out at sea because they're so thirsty that they drink the ocean and die. Now, uh, I mean, not the whole ocean, just a little part of the ocean. You got, you're with me, right? Yeah. 
you were you were thinking I say ocean, and you automatically start thinking of that story that Augustine tells, that Melanchthon tells about in Small Called, where the one guy baptizes the other. Uh, focus in here. I'm talking about the conscience because the conscience is a similarly similarly imprecise instrument. In other words, the conscience tells you something's wrong, but it doesn't tell you how to fix it. So every religion, every worldview, every way that people are living in one way or another, I would propose, is trying to calm down their conscience in the pain of the conscience. And that's what the worldview is. It says, how am I going to calm this conscience down? Is this kind of what you're going to be talking about when you come to Oregon? Maybe so. What am I supposed to talk about? Uh, what your conscience wants versus what your conscience needs. Yes, that's what I'm going to be talking about. <laughs> Just remind me when I get there, this is what I'm supposed to talk about. Okay. <laughs> By the way, uh, June 16th and 17th, if you're in Rogue River, Oregon area, come out to Faith Lutheran Church. Uh, we have Mark Pearson and uh, Brian Wolfman there giving a presentation on evangelism and apologetics. How's and then the 30th anniversary the next day, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Fantastic. Who's, who's preaching for that? I think I'm gonna. I might be preaching for that, and then we're supposed to do a little hilarity afterwards, right? You and I, um, a little shtick. The jury's still out on that. I think uh, what you, I was trying to talk him into doing that thing where <laughs> you can stand there and I can be the arms behind you. <laughs> no. And we can shave. We can. You can be shaving. That got vetoed. <laughs> oh yeah, straight razor. Oh, straight razor. Veto. Okay, here's here's another church center bumper sticker. Uh, Hi, this is Jen Hi. in Colorado. Jen, I, I recognize that voice. I theology for you. Um, this should be familiar to Pastor Wolf Mueller. Uh, just drove by it. It says, uh, angels can't be everyone. That's why God created mom. I'm pretty sure Pastor Wolf Mueller's seen it before. Enjoy. Bye. Is that out on your church sign or what? <laughs> no, it's not. I wonder where that was. Angels can't see everyone. I I can't remember seeing that. Anyhow, uh, angels can't see everyone. That's why God created moms. Uh-huh. I think that's just 100% right. Good extolling <laughs> of the vocation of mother. Have you ever noticed the, the vast difference in preaching in uh, most Christian churches between Mother's Day and Father's Day? <laughs> yeah, mothers are the greatest gift from God. Fathers are lazy bums. <laughs> this is how you preach on Mother's Day, though. Uh, we give thanks this day for our mother, Holy Mother Church. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Mm. That's the Neo-Lutheran Mother Day. Mother's I'm not, Day. <laughs> I'm not sure mothers made it to my sermon on Mother's Day. <laughs> made it to the prayers of the church, though. So yeah. that's what good. Mean. Okay, uh, here's another one. Hi, this is Nathan from Texas. Uh, I push carts at Target, so I see bumper stickers all the time. Uh, saw one that said, what was it? The goddess is here, the magic is moot. And I also saw a Darwin fish engaging in a rather degrading mating ritual with a Christian fish. So that the goddess is here, the magic is moot, and then another car had a Darwin fish engaging in a mating ritual with a Christian fish. Mating Thank ritual. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. Oh man, that's what we need. We need more of our <laughs> our three or four listeners uh, working at Target and Walmart pushing carts. 
I know. So if you're looking for employment, you might check that out, and then you can be reporting bumper stickers to Table Talk Radio. By the way, the number to report these is 1-800-385-7652, 1-800-385-SOLA. I wonder if see the goddess is here. That so the the I wonder if this woman who I which I hope the driver is a woman. <laughs> hey Cindy, can I drive your car? If you want to? <laughs> I know you should. I'd be great. You showing up on a house call. The goddess is here. But you know the, the goddess gets out and apparently goes into Target to buy whatever you know toothpaste. Now the goddess is. It should say the goddess's car is here, if it wanted to be more accurate. But I don't know actually what this means. The magic is mute? Yeah. What is that? How, the goddess is here, the magic is mute? Maybe mute, magic is not needed because the goddess has her powers of her own. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> just taking know. swings at this thing. I have no <laughs> I don't have any idea what this one means. You do see a lot of goddess bumper stickers, though, don't you? You hardly ever see a guy calling himself God. Do you know why that is? <laughs> Feminism. The God is here. The Lord has arrived. <laughs> How would that be? <laughs> Thor in the house. <laughs> How come you never see bumper stickers like that? <laughs> Do you know? I, I don't know. I just attribute it to feminism. I have no. Other what answer. you know? Have the you have the goddess uh, shaving commercials? You've seen that? No. I want to have you have the 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 like the pagan god the, the thunder <laughs> the thunder razor <laughs> the <laughs> the thor straight edge the the six blade <laughs> thor razor how come you don't have that i do not know the answer if someone knows the answer to that please uh help that. hey what about what about darwin uh, oh the darwin thing i guess uh i mean that's uh natural selection <laughs> I don't think I do not think that, that uh, Christians ought to marry Christians, by the way, and not uh, Darwinists, so that you don't have little, you know, kids. <laughs> All right, uh, let's hit another one. <laughs> I don't know what to make hey of the guys. This is Jeff from Houston. I was just behind a car very closely, and I could see uh, see their bumper sticker. It said in very small letters, "Are you following Jesus this close?" Now, as soon as we can get past the grammatical problem there, uh, why don't you have fun with that one? Thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's important if you're going to put out some bumper stickers, you should probably have your grammar. Uh, Never mind that. There. <laughs> I forgot that I'm supposed to be looking at our worldview catalog for these things. I'm looking that up now to see what my worldview catalog has here. Right, so are you following Jesus this, this closely? Close. In other words, get off my tail. Yeah. Following Jesus this close. You need an need adverb instead of an... Adjective. Are you following Jesus this close? I kind of like that bumper sticker. <laughs> Get off my tail. Follow Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, but I'm going to hover right behind you. <laughs> I suspect there's probably loads of people in church because of that bumper sticker. They're like, oh, man, look, I'm tailgating this guy, but I don't even pay attention to Jesus. I better go to church this week. Apparently apparently, our listener that, that saw that was, was tailgating pretty close. <laughs> He was convicted. <laughs> you got a worldview for that one? Uh, let's see. Dynamite, moving on up. No, Rick Warren worldview. Pony, so a little less conversation, a little more action. Uh, haunted house evangelism. Pascal's wager, fire and brimstone preaching, scaring people into the faith. Uh, 
No. The world is getting better and I'm the proof. That's the evolution worldview. I don't see it. Following Jesus. Uh, I don't know if we have a worldview for that one. Let me play this last one. We have about a minute left. Hey, guys. This is Jeff from Houston. I just drove past not a church sign, but a a churchy sign. It is for a self-storage building building place. And uh, the sign says uh, ABC self-storage. And then underneath it, Jesus is Lord. Half off sale. <laughs> Have fun. Thanks. Bye. All right. So yeah, I'm not pretty sure those two things don't go together. Oh, you don't think so? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it is kind of a weird that a guy, you know, with a storage center wants to say Jesus is Lord on his sign. Yeah, it but, seems like I mean, that would be bad for business, you know? Um. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, if I if I own a business, I I am going to provide storage for the Muslim and the Christian alike. It, I, your faith doesn't matter to me if I'm going to provide storage for you. But if you put something like that on there, I don't suppose the Muslim is probably going to want to put his stuff in your storage unit. <laughs> I like how you say Muslim, by the way. I, yeah. Isn't that how we're supposed to say it here on this show? Good, uh, good advice for business owners. All right. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where your points are like the dry cleaners in the Garden of Eden. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed in this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.